Welcome to Engage Arizona. As lawmakers consider the largest spending proposal in U.S. history, we consider the impact on families because beyond the sheer numbers are the changes to federal law that affect culture as a whole. U.S. Congresswoman Debbie Lesko gives us a glimpse of what's really inside some of the legislation currently on the table. Here now is Kathy Herod with Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. On this edition of Engage Arizona podcast, I'm delighted to have as my guest, Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. Congresswoman Lesko represents Arizona's 8th Congressional District. She has served that district since May of 2018. Currently, she's on the Committee on Energy and Commerce, the Republican Steering Committee. She's an assistant whip for this session of Congress. She's co-chair of the Women in STEM Caucus, co-chair of the Crime Survivors and Justice Caucus. She's been on House Judiciary, House Rules, House Homeland Security, and she's co-chair Chair of the Congressional Caucus for Women's Issues. But the Congresswoman Lesko that I know the best is the fighter in the Arizona legislature when we first got acquainted and worked together on many issues. This is a woman who takes on the tough issues. Um, early in her legislative career, she took on rights of conscience, on defending the religious freedom, the rights for us to believe as we choose to believe, educational freedom, school choice, pension reform. Most people stay away from pension reform, but not Congresswoman Lesko. Um, and in Congress, of course, she had a key role on the rules and judiciary committees during the Trump impeachment efforts. She's outspoken on like on the life issues and the religious freedom issues, as well as a whole host of other issues. So welcome, Congresswoman, to Engage Arizona. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. I love Center for Arizona Policy. You do such fantastic work. Well, let me start. Thank you for that. And let me start with what led you to run for political office? It was a long journey. It wasn't something that I always wanted to do. Um, Basically, it started with me getting involved in my kids' schools, and then one thing led to another. I ran for school board unsuccessfully in 2006, Uh, but then after that, uh, I I lost, but after that, I ran for the Arizona uh, State House position and won, served there for six years, then ran for Arizona State Senate, won, and served there for three years and when the opportunity came up to run for congress i really thought about it but i knew that i would regret it if i didn't try it and sure enough i won and here i am serving in the united states congress it really is quite uh the story coming from uh being a survivor of domestic abuse years ago from my ex-husband to now serving in the united states congress it's unbelievable and god has been good to me And an amazing testimony of the need for people to just be open to whatever God has for you as you journey through life. Well, what's a day in the life of Congresswoman Debbie Lesko like? It's busy. So this morning I left my Washington, D.C. apartment at 7.30 a.m. And I won't be home till about 8.00. 30 p.m. tonight. It's nonstop meetings, uh, voting on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives, being in committee hearings, um, and fighting the good fight. Well, and then coming home on the weekend. So you're, you're in the air a lot as well. 
I am. I am. Now, this time my husband came with me and we're in session for three weeks. So we're going to stay here over on the East Coast for three weeks right now. But normally I fly home every weekend so I can see my husband and see the rest of my family. So this is not a glamorous job. I pay a lot of money out of my own salary for an apartment here in Washington, D.C. It costs me $2,700 a month for a small apartment. I walk to work. I do not have any security. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a tough job. And right now as a conservative Republican, it's a difficult job. I think um, many citizens don't realize or comprehend the sacrifice that our elected officials make and just the, the wear and tear and the hours and uh, that it's, it's not just you, it's your husband and your family as well that are in public service. And so we're grateful for all of you. Well, let's talk about some of the things that are going on in Congress. Um, there's so many changes that we keep hearing about coming out of D.C. that are, you know, will fundamentally change America, change our families, change our way of life. What do you see as the most threatening legislation to our values that, that you're currently dealing with or seeing on the horizon? Well, what we're currently dealing with is the Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, multi-trillion dollar spending and tax bill. And this is the largest spending bill in United States history. It's the largest tax increase in United States history. And this bill is chocked full of liberal agenda. Um, You know, whether that be taking out the Hyde Amendment, which would uh, allow tax taxpayer funding uh, for abortions or whether it is doing a natural gas tax on American citizens so that all of our electric bills will be increased, or whether in that same bill it's granting amnesty to millions of illegal immigrants. And it also uh, is very favorable to unions, which of course support the Democrats in Congress. Let me give you an example. I had a Peoria owner of a Peoria car dealership uh, call me and say, hey, in that reconciliation bill, the multi-trillion dollar Democrat bill, they're giving incentives uh, to car man- electric car manufacturers, but only and only if they employ union workers. If they don't employ union workers, then they don't get any of our taxpayer dollars. And so you can just see how this is chock full of liberal agenda. Well, and is it something like close to 2,500 pages? So there's no telling yes. what all is, is it buried in it. What about yes, this? It's, it's over 2,000 pages. There's lots of things in there not to like. And basically, the Democrats continue to take America into socialism. They have a different belief system uh, than I have, which is they believe government knows better than individuals how to run their lives, how much money they should pay, how, how they should work, how they should live, how they should breathe. They believe in all these vaccine and mandates. They believe in government um, uh, controlling every aspect of, of our lives. Well, and out of all the horrible things in that bill, I continue to wonder how many Americans 
understand the why does the Biden administration want to have the IRS knowing what's in someone's bank account if they have more than $600 in their bank account? I mean, what's what's the purpose of the federal government snooping into everyone's bank account? Well, that's how the Democrats think. They believe, again, that government knows better. And so what they're doing that for is they're trying to pay for this multi-trillion dollar bill. And they think that if they snoop into everybody's bank accounts, that they'll catch more people people and can charge them more taxes and so they're basically any you know it's it's morphing so it originally was anytime anyone uh would either transfer in or transfer out of their bank account six hundred dollars or i believe also just have six hundred dollars or more in their bank account then they were passing this law that said the bank has to transfer all that information directly to the irs now there was a lot of banks and credit unions that that opposed that and of course a lot of american people don't like the irs snooping into their financial business so now they've raised it up their the democrats latest proposal is ten thousand dollars but that's per year so just think if you have a paycheck that's directly deposited into your account that's going to be more than ten thousand dollars a year or if you have a mortgage payment that you have to pay it's going to be probably more than ten thousand dollars a year so basically everyone is going to be covered if you have a bank account and all of your information will go right to the irs so they'll try to tax you more that's what this is about amazing well let's talk about the hyde amendment because for years we have had a, a you know, an agreement in this country that taxpayers should not be forced to pay for elective abortions um, who, for people like us who are morally opposed to elective abortions for any reason, at any stage of pregnancy, at any age of the woman. But that has fallen apart now. And so do you think, you know, are there any Democrats that will, uh, you know, join with you in supporting the Hyde Amendment like we've had Democrats in the past? Or is that all over? Well, if if there's any indication from a recent vote, there the, the Democrats passed out of the House a very pro-abortion bill. Basically, what it does is undo every state's pro-life bills in the entire nation and allows abortions up to the very last minute. Now, only one Democrat joined with Republicans to vote against that bill. So we're talking about um, allowing partial birth abortions, like I said, abortions up to the very last moment, and overturning states' laws, pro-life laws. And only one Democrat joined the Republicans to oppose that. So I don't know if that one Democrat would support the Hyde Amendment or not, which prohibits taxpayer funding of abortions. But I'm telling you, this is we are in a sad state of affairs here in the United States of America when we only have one Democrat that stands up for the lives of babies. It, it, it's very sad. It's a sad state of affairs. And let's be sure that we mention that the 
Democrat congressional people from Arizona support overturning our state pro-life laws. They support having you, the taxpayer, fund elective abortions. Um, our Senator Mark Kelly has been vocal in supporting um, legalizing abortion rights in federal law. Um, and, and this, of course, is largely a response to what's going on in Texas with the heartbeat law, with the U.S. Supreme Court uh, um, considering Mississippi's limit on abortions after 15 weeks. And I want to thank you because you've been vocal, you've signed on to briefs, you know, supporting pro-life restrictions. So, so think, you know, thank you for that. I mean, any thoughts on, on heartbeat or what you think the court's going to do? I mean, I'm going to be in D.C. that first week of December to be outside the U.S. Supreme Court to pray and rally in support of protecting life and empowering women to not have Roe versus Wade, the law of our land. But any thoughts on the Texas heartbeat law or what's going on? How close are we to seeing Roe overturned? Well, that's hard to tell. I mean, thankfully, when President Trump was our president, he appointed a lot of conservative judges. And now we have a conservative majority on the U.S. Supreme Court. But, uh, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know. But I do. I am going to pray along with you that they do overturn Roe versus Wade or at least uphold states pro-life laws, because in Texas and in Arizona, we've passed a lot of pro-life legislation um, and it's a state's rights issue. I think it's totally unconstitutional for the federal government to undo the will of the state. Well, as, as you're coming to us from the rotunda of the United States Congress, we've talked about the challenges in Congress. Let's, let's talk, talk a little bit about 2022 and just... Um, you know, what words do you have as, like, how does the citizen in Arizona prepare for the 2022 election year, and what do you see coming down in 2022? Well, I think that this, uh, I think there's hope for Republicans to take back the majority in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, We only have to flip five seats in the entire nation and keep the Republican seats that we have. And then we have a majority. And let me tell you why that's so important. Basically, a majority means that there's more uh, Republicans elected than Democrats. Right now, we have a Democrat majority in the U.S. House of Representatives, which means that the Speaker of the House is a Democrat, Speaker Pelosi, and the chairman of all of the committees are Democrats. So, for instance, when I offer a pro life piece of legislation here in the U.S. House of Representatives, it gets assigned to Judiciary Committee. Well, Democrat Chairman Jerry Nadler is the chairman of that committee, and he's not going to hear a pro-life bill because he is opposed to pro-life bills, and he's pro-abortion. So that's why it's so important that um, people get engaged and vote their conscience, vote for people that follow the values that they do, and I hope that that's Republican. Well, and let me mention another issue. You've been a leader in the fight against the Equality Act, against Fairness for All. I think you've called it the Forfeiting Women's Rights Act. So how do you see the Equality Act and Fairness for All? And let me just mention to our listeners, we hear a lot about Equality Act, and then some come in and act like Fairness for All is a compromise, and and it would be a solution. Fairness for all is only Equality Act light and not even that light. But how does it how does the Equality Act I mean, we hear a lot about what it does on religious freedom or this or that, but how does it forfeit women's rights? What do you mean by that? 
Yeah, I, I voted against the Equality Act. I also voted against the Violence Against Women Act, even though I'm a survivor of domestic violence, because they both violate women's rights. For instance, in the so-called Equality Act, it, it gives priority to transgender people over non-transgender people. So it forces, under penalty of federal law, for men who identify as women to use women facilities, whether that's bathrooms, whether that's showers, whether that's having men in girls' sports. It is pervasive, and and this is just wrong. I believe in treating everyone equally, not discriminating people, but this bill actually prioritizes transgender people over non-transgender people, and that's just wrong. And as you've been vocal, or you've been very courageous, I should say, in talking about being a survivor of domestic violence, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, so when you talk about biological men being able to go into women's facilities, as a survivor of domestic violence, you know how how harmful and threatening that is to a woman who might be subjected to that. Well, yeah, and that's what I said in committee and on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. I said, listen... I'm a survivor of domestic violence. So if you have an all-women's domestic violence shelter, it's not fair to those women to allow a man in there. Because think about it. They don't have to have any um, sex change operations. They don't have to have a time limit. Like, you know, it's been a year since I've been a guy. And they just, for that instance, they can identify as a woman, even though they're a man. And don't tell me that there are men that are not going to take advantage of that and abuse, sexually abuse women. It's already happened. Uh, and it will happen again. It's just not right. It is not fair to the women. Certainly agree with that. Well, let me ask this. As a pro-life, pro-family Christian woman in D.C., um, in a very visible role, one of a, certainly a female leader in Congress, how do you endure that environment on a day-in, day-out basis? I need a lot of people to pray for me because this is a very dark place. And for a Christian woman like myself, I would say that um, the devil is, is acting here and you can feel the presence. Uh, there's a lot of uh, corruption, lying. Um, and when there's such a push... Uh, by some of my counterparts to uh, have abortion up to the very last minute, you know that there's a darkness here. It's like a cloud here. And so uh, it's it's good for me to when my husband comes with me because uh, he gives me support. But w- I also join in Bible studies here. There's actually quite a few of us Congress members that have regular Bible studies. I had one in my office this morning, and we pray together because, after all, God God's in control. That is so encouraging. Well, as we close, any final words, or is there any issue that we should have mentioned that maybe we're not aware of or we haven't discussed, or any closing words? Well, I just want to tell everyone to keep up hope, keep praying, keep electing people that share your values, because in the end, we are going to win. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Congresswoman. I know. Thank you for your time. I know you're in between votes. So thank you um, for taking time with us on Engage Arizona. May God continue to bless you and your family. Thank you. You too. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Engage Arizona, public policy for daily life. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, rate, and give a review on any podcast platform you use. For more information, visit azpolicy.org.